0: everybody i'm frankie
1: and i'm daniel
0: and this is propagated podcast yeah so hi daniel hi how are you
1: i'm doing quite well how are you
0: uh you know i'm doing great i've just been thinking about weeds all week uh very exciting i love i love weeds they're great
1: yeah, I've been thinking about weeds in between my vacation planning. So, it's great.
0: Sweet. Yeah, you're you're going you're going far. You're you're going to be on the beach in your natural habitat. <laughs> I'm going to
1: like I, like I keep saying I hold on to those last vestiges of summer as hard as I can. So, yeah. Going going to the tropicals for a week. It's going to be amazing.
0: But here I am like Already eating soup and shepherd's pie. I like, I'm living in my 60 degree house. You
1: know? <laughs> I mean, it's just a perfect example of how we're perfectly different from each other.
0: <laughs> I uh, was very excited because it's sweather sw- weather now. Thweather. And I ordered some new sweaters. I'm very excited about it.
1: <laughs> I need to get more sweaters, honestly, more long sleeves in general. But, anyways,
0: I forgot to open my notes.
1: All right, let's see here.
0: So I believe you have an article for us.
1: Yeah, I found a a really cool article that also is kind of uh nice and weed related since we're com- we're continuing that this go-around. Woohoo. So I I found this article twice and I lost the first one, but I think this one was a little bit better anyways. In SciTech Daily. Mm. Um and the title of the article is New Carnivorous Plant Discovered in North America Balances Trapping Prey and Being Pollinated.
0: Ooh.
1: Um, It's by the University of Wisconsin-Madison. didn't give anybody any credit beyond that, and it's from August 9th of this year.
0: (laughs) All credits go to the school, even though you pay us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So to kind of sum this article up, I thought it was a really cool, cool thing that they just found. There's this plant called... Triantha occidentalis, mm. um, which is in North America, it goes uh, grows in wetlands and bogs from Alaska to California, and then all the way inland to Montana. And in the summer, it shoots up tall flowering stems that are coated with sticky hairs that actually trap small insects like gnats and midges. Ooh! So, which isn't that uncommon in the carnivorous plant world, but the scientists discovered that this particular plant acquires more than half of its nitrogen by digesting these insects. Huh. Which is obviously a great thing in a nutrient poor habitat since it's growing in these like wet areas. Mm-hmm. But this is only the twelfth known independent evolution of carnivory in the plant kingdom.
0: Oh, cool.
1: So I thought that was kind of really cool.
0: So have car- carnivorous plants just kind of like stayed the same forever?
1: It seems that way that they, they've at least stayed on from a similar background. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily that they've been the same the whole time, but they've had a similar ancestor and now they're starting to find other plants. And again, this is the 12th occurrence of finding other plants in the plant kingdom that aren't from that same ancestry that are now. Huh. Part of the carnivorous plant world.
0: How cool. They're like, bye, I'm becoming an omnivore. I'm eating meat now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I was a little bit tired of just the the water and the dirt, okay?
0: (laughs) I need more than sunshine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of the cool things about this plant in particular, and the reason that it probably took us so long to find out, even though it's a fairly abundant plant, that it is carnivorous is because. It actually traps its insects near where its flowers are pollinated, which is very rare in the carnivorous huh. plant world. Normally, like if you look at a Venus flytrap or other like sundew style plants that, that are also carnivorous, they shoot up really tall stalks. Yeah. And allow pollinators to be far from where they would get trapped. But it's kind of cool because. It would seem as if you're going to have a conflict, right, between yeah. the carnivorous portion of the plant and the pollination of the plant. But this plant was smart enough to evolve in a way that its hairs that are, that are part of what is carnivorous actually aren't that sticky. Huh? So they can only trap very small insects.
0: Oh. And so
1: the pollinators, like bees and butterflies, are never going to get caught because they're just stronger, and they're, they're too strong to get caught in. That's
0: fascinating. Huh? So how, I thought that
1: was so cool. Yeah. And a lot of some of the scientists that worked on this project are saying that because of this and because of some of the other offshoots, it seems like there could be a, uh, it's reasonable to think that there are other members of this group of plants. And just other groups of plants that haven't been thought of in that way that will turn out to be carnivorous. So I think that's a cool thing Hmm. to follow. Something to keep up with. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'm sure this is stuff you look at. So if you find any more, keep us updated. Yeah. It's so so cool. cool.
1: I thought it was so fun.
0: Yeah. You know what? I think my house really needs a carnivorous plant because every winter, you know, I'm sure other plant lovers out there have the same issue. There's always bugs. Like, there's always going to be bugs because you're... And in the summer, too, they just, you know, come into the house and they think that it's their house, too, even though they're not paying rent.
1: I've thought about having, like, a water table that had, like, some carnivorous plants and some aquatic plants that are just there, and I'll keep it filled with distilled water and it's a little bit less high maintenance than they are outside of being kept you know yeah but yeah I think they're really cool they are a little bit more difficult I had I used to have a keep a sundae with my grandma that was really prolific they were really cool yeah I don't know if you're familiar with those but they're really cute Uh uh-huh
0: I like them they're they're like (laughs) sticky taffy (laughs) Mm -hmm. with hair
1: (laughs) yeah I love this
0: when you say water table is it like a terrarium with legs kind of
1: yeah that's what I was looking at I've seen some done online they look really cool. And so essentially you just like set it up and you have a grow light. And I was thinking about setting it up in the corner of my room and like provides humidity and you just have to keep water in it. It's really cool.
0: We slowly are making the move to just living in a greenhouse.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's the goal. (laughs) One day when I own my own house, that will be that will be a priority. That'll be what some of that loan is for is a greenhouse in the back.
0: Yeah. If I ever become like ridiculously wealthy, I'm going to have those like two way mirrors that you like flip a switch and then they like go frosted, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess it's not a mirror, it's just glass. I could just live in a greenhouse, and then when it, you know, gets too hot or I don't want people to look at me, just boop, and then it's, you know, brilliant, right?
1: I mean, I love it. I feel like like as cold-loving as you are, that might not be ideal for you, but I understand understand the sentiment.
0: I'll just move somewhere colder where it actually snows. (laughs) 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 But, you know, I am kind of a lizard, and I just... My body temperature changes with whatever environment I'm in. So I'm fine in the summer too.
1: So I feel that. I feel that.
0: Yeah. All right. So who wants to go first this week?
1: Who went first last week? You did kind of. We're never doing you rock, did-
0: paper, scissors again.
1: <laughs> I feel like... You gave us the intro to Weeds last week. Uh uh-huh, huh. Our last uh-huh. episode. I feel like we should stop saying week because we don't release weekly. So I say week all the time. Eh, whatever. Um,
0: We're both time blind, so.
1: Fair. Very valid. <laughs> but um, I think you started because you gave the intro. Do you want me to start or do you want to start?
0: I, my brain just, sorry, I went in a completely different direction. I was thinking, you know how some people say a couple, and for some people, a couple is two, but for some people, a couple's three to five. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a week to us. Like, a week isn't seven days to us. A week is, is like a couple. However long it takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly. like,
1: that's like a week is a few days, and a few days could be anything from, you know, a month to yeah, one it's day. It's an amount you know? of
0: days. Yeah. As as it's as a minute. It's a hot one. minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can go first. you want me to go first? Send it. Do it. Go. All right. I would like to tell you first about, I love this name, but I love how it's written more than how it's said. Because you say it and it's like pie, but pie is spelled P-Y-E. So I'm talking about Joe pie Weed.
1: Got you. I don't know much about this one, so I'm excited to hear what you got to tell oh, us. Oh,
0: it's pretty cool. Um, it's really beautiful. You've definitely seen it before. It's really prolific in the, in the Southeast. Um, also, fun fact, my dog in Stardew Valley is named Joe Pie, which I think is such a cute name for a dog.
1: That is a cute name for a dog. I like that.
0: There are five different types of Joe Pie, but we're talking specifically about sweet Joe Pie, which is Eutrochinum purpureum. Ooh, I feel like
1: we're getting- I practiced
0: that one. Could you tell? I feel
1: like we're getting professional <laughs> at this, honestly. I think
0: it's just the confidence. Like, you just got to go for the names and like, be like, no, I definitely know how to say this. <laughs>
1: I've got this. I swear I've got this. It's good.
0: <laughs> it's um, also in the Asteraceae family. It grows, it can grow up to about like five feet. I've seen some get up to like human height, like six feet, but they're mostly about one to five feet. They grow in these clumps kind of like, like I would say they look like elder flowers almost, but they're bigger and their flowers in midsummer are these this beautiful purpley-mauve color. It's so pretty. And they smell amazing. They smell kind of like vanilla.
1: Oh, I love that. I love it. It smells good.
0: so good, which attracts a lot of pollinators. And a lot of people actually purposefully grow them in their gardens for this reason because they smell so good and they attract so many pollinators. And they're one of those flowers that blooms – like mid to late summer. So if you're trying to have something bloom in your garden year round, they're a really good one for that.
1: Man, I've seen I have seen these before. Sorry, I had to look because I was curious. I can't mm-hmm. wait for the Instagram post because I'm, I'm I just had to see. I do know them. I'm very familiar. <laughs> very pretty.
0: You can't wait for another, what, three weeks?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And so if you're building like I used to design gardens for fun. And if you're building a Cottage garden, and you want that kind of lacy sort of wildflower look, these are really great for around back borders and fences. Since they grow so tall, they Mm -hmm. do add that height, but they're also still like delicate and pretty and they smell amazing. I love that. The legend is that Joe Pye was a Native American man that cured typhus with this plant, E. purpurium, in New England in the early 1800s.
1: Cool. Okay. Yeah. It's got some history.
0: Yeah. Joe Pie is very tolerant. It probably is classified as a weed because it does grow where others really kind of can't, because it tolerates wet feet. It tolerates clay soil up to a point. And so a lot of times you can see it growing in, you know, along streams or in wet ditches, places where other things are like, ugh, that like the sloppy.
1: Yeah, too, <laughs> too much. Ma- I can't breathe in this.
0: Yeah, I can't breathe in this ragweed, ragweed cloud. We're still in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel that too hard. We're gonna talk about that one a little bit. Today. No, we're not. Oh, that's a lie. That's the bony. That's the bonus episode one.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I lied. Joe Pie is used a lot of times in natural dyeing, and it makes this really beautiful golden colored dye. You can. Ooh, my brain just <laughs>
1: <laughs> just stopped for a second.
0: Error 404. <laughs> <laughs>
1: File not found.
0: You can dry the stems and the leaves, and apparently they work amazing in natural mosquito repellent. It's used in a lot of those, like natural mosquito repellents. Oh, that's cool. But not like applied to your skin. It's burned more like an incense, which I kind of want to try next summer. Yeah, like kind of like the a situation. Mosquitoes are
1: awful here. Janela style situation.
0: Totally. Yeah. Uh, apparently. You know, it legend is it cured typhus, so it can be used for medicinal purposes, but everything that I researched, it was like, eh, I wouldn't use this for medicinal or edible purposes just because it is toxic in larger doses, and there are so many other things that you can take that aren't toxic. Right. So just enjoy the scent and the look.
1: <laughs> so let's not get overboard with the with the trying things, you know? Just try things, but yeah. not everything.
0: Sure. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's Joe Pie. Cool. Go look at pictures on our Instagram because it is beautiful. It's a beautiful plant.
1: It is a very pretty plant. Well, I love that. I didn't know much about that one and now I feel like I do. The cure to typhus, even though it's poisonous.
0: That's <laughs> what I've learned. Today. Um I feel like when we were doing our poison episodes, like we talked about, it's really all in the dosage. There's yeah, like absolutely. nothing is poisonous unless you dose it wrong.
1: Right. Um, So, the next one I'm talking about kind of matches the theme that you just rolled with a little bit. It is also poisonous, but not to humans, just to livestock. Hmm. And it also really enjoys standing water in low areas. And it is curly dock, or Rumex Crispus. Ooh. Like, that one was a little bit easier to say, because it was like... Crispus. It's like... Short word. It's not like one of the crazy long ones, you know, with several yeah. vowels stacked like, up against each other. And you sneeze. know,
0: like. yeah. <laughs> this is obviously <laughs> just Latin.
1: <laughs> no, but so curly dock is a perennial broadleaf plant you'll see pretty frequently in areas that are agricultural. Um, it's prone to taking its home in areas that have recently been disturbed, um, which is kind of problematic for farmers in the sense that it is actually very poisonous if they, it's ingested in quantity by any livestock so originally it was native 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 to africa asia and europe and while it doesn't really take over like some other nuisance plants if you will like say ground ivy for for instance
0: my nemesis
1: right but it can be kind of difficult to get rid of because it is it grows rhizomatically, so it has tubers, and if you leave any portion of it behind mm. or break it up into chunks trying to dig it up, then each of the broken chunks will just grow and you plant.
0: Damn it. So it's, like, <laughs> it's like a very, troll.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like very hard to get rid of. Ugh. Um, so that's kind of why it's kind of classified, classified. It sounded like I was trying to do an accent and it really wasn't classified <laughs> as doing as a weed, you know?
0: Uh huh.
1: but other than that and because it is poisonous to livestock I don't really see why it's a weed huh. it's kind of a cool plant um, and it doesn't really take over I really wish that my nose would not feel so weird when I'm talking this much
0: <laughs> we're just not used to it I feel like why, why did we decide to start a podcast it's like two little <laughs> people who don't like to talk <laughs> that much <laughs> we well, are just talk into a microphone this will be great
1: <laughs> yeah it's just talking for a long time is everything I've ever dreamed of no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's fun. I'm just kidding.
0: kidding Public kidding. speaking. woohoo! hoo
1: <laughs> um, But as far as the uses for curly dog, it's been said that a poultice from the roots in the past has been used for iron deficiency, anemia, mm-hmm. blood purifying, and a liver decongestant.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, and it's also been said to remedy constipation and syphilis.
0: Great, So bring it here. That's necessary.
1: <laughs> um, and then the seeds of curly dock were actually once roasted and used as a coffee substitute. So it has some caffeine to it.
0: Ooh, that's like chicory too.
1: But today, in like the modern day, the curly dock plant would be mostly used for food because the leaves, stalk, and seeds are all edible. Leaves can be used in salad, as a veggie, or put into a soup. But you need to wash the really young leaves. Because they contain a chemical that can numb your tongue if they're not rinsed.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, if you're trying to numb your tongue, I mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess if you like, you got something going on with your tongue where it needs numbing, then (laughs) you could choose a wild
0: Saturday night, (laughs) very,
1: very young, curly doc. You know, it's great.
0: Good to know. Good to know.
1: So I thought that it was kind of cool too. There's some folklore and like. Magic behind curly dock, and one of it was that it could draw love. So! Ooh. Essentially the lovelorn were instu- instructed to dig a root of the curly dock, dress it in a similar manner as the one they had affection for, and then carry the doll that they had just made for a month. and then after carrying the doll for a month, they were instructed to chop up the root and boil it in water. And then when it cooled, the lovelorn were to wash their entire body in it, and it was supposed to draw the object of their desire to them forever.
0: Huh. I love all these love spells with plants. They're like...
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: So elaborate. <laughs>
1: so elaborate. And also, like, at the end of the day, kind of creepy, too. I, I've always totally. found love spells to be kind of creepy.
0: But, I, I mean, I feel like like that's the point, like you're going into this elaborate love spell. If you still love them by the end, maybe it's meant to be. <laughs> like if you're right? doing all that work.
1: <laughs> that, I mean, that's fair. As as long Or as maybe they it's obsessive and creepy. You know? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think it yeah. depends on the context. Maybe just talk to them. I right? don't know. <laughs> maybe just be like, hey, want to go out sometime?
1: But another one of the like small things is that if you made a tea from the boiled roots and rubbed it on the doorknobs of your business, it was supposed to draw customers as well. And then- mm. If you took your coins and washed them in this tea, it was supposed to draw more money to your pocketbook also, which I thought was kind of fun. Hmm. I could use that. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's Curly Dog. I thought it was a cool little cool little plant. Cool little plant.
0: Love it. That's awesome.
1: We're really going to have to work on this transition game. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, sorry, everybody. We're just really not that great at the transition. Not I feel like podcast. if
0: you could see the little dances I do, that would be a perfect transition. <laughs> but like, how do I how do I dance on the podcast? Like boop, 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 boop. Okay, now we're onto a new subject. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Loved that. That was everything I needed it to be. So good, so good, so good.
0: Uh, well, next I'm gonna talk about one of my very, very favorites. A really common weed, I bet you most of you have seen this before or heard of it. We're talking about Queen Anne's Lace, also known as Wild Carrot.
1: I love Queen Anne's Lace. It was one of the first consistent, easily identifiable plants I knew. Definitely.
0: She's a beaut. She's a beaut. I've used her in many a flower arrangement. Also because, like, there are so many weeds that you can use in flower arrangements because they are so sturdy and they just last for weeks. Like... Don't tell any of my clients, but I have reused Queen Anne's lace in arrangements. Like you get them back from the wedding, you just pull it out and then use it again next week.
1: Why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Listen, I've had a lot of filthy rich clients that would have an issue with that, though.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't,
0: you know, this society. I
1: doubt those filthy rich clients would have made it to this point in our podcast, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've talked too much shit about capitalism. I'm sure. Anyways, so Queen Anne's Lace is this beautiful flower. It is kind of lacy green in its leaves. And it has these long, like, I would say like thick tuberous, tuberous, that's not the right word, but it's like tubey. They're like tubey-ish stems. <laughs> that's, scientific. That's, um <laughs> uh, <laughs> But here is a scientific word that I just learned, umble. It comes into, at the end, an umble, which is like this flower head where it's a lot of little short stems that end in a flower head. So it kind of like, how would you describe it? Like it kind of is shaped sort of like a upside down shower head and, it, yeah, and like the top is flowers of. and the bottom is stems.
1: Or like an upside down umbrella. Have you seen those umbrellas? Yeah. That like. You can set down upside down so it drains right, like the fancy umbrellas. I don't know. I'm gonna stop because I don't think that's something I can explain very well. But But that's shaped like that. It's shaped like that. (laughs) Perfect.
0: Perfect (laughs) image in my head. (laughs) Um, (laughs) its name is Dacus carota from the Apiaceae family. That one was easy, and it's usually found along roadsides in unused fields. Pretty much. I, yeah, I've seen it a lot on roadsides. Yeah, like, absolutely. It just kind of grows wherever.
1: It does its thing.
0: Yeah, it does its thing. It's probably why it's a weed, but it, it also is really useful. And I did not know how useful it was until I did this research. Um, but the folklore behind it, which is one of my favorite folklore stories ever, if you see in some Queen Anne's lace, it'll have a little, it'll have one red flower in the very center. Like most of them are white. But then, it'll just have one little red flower right in the center. And the folklore is that the Queen Anne of England, which it's named after in its colloquial name, was an expert lace maker. And the story goes that she pricked her finger and then one drop of blood fell into this lace. And that's the flower. And the red flower is her little drop of blood.
1: It's such a good story. I love Queen Anne's Lace, though.
0: Excuse me while I chug water. Forgot to drink water. (laughs) That was so dramatic,
1: and I loved it.
0: (laughs) Listen, I very dramatically drink water because I forget for days at a time. And then I'm talking, and I'm like, wow, my mouth feels like the desert.
1: (laughs) I feel like I can feel my tongue cracking as I speak.
0: Romans ate Queen Anne's Lace as a vegetable. And American colonists would boil the taproots sometimes, and sometimes they would put it in a wine as a treat.
1: As a treat?
0: Which sounded weird to me until I researched and found out that, second to beets, Queen Anne's lace tubers have the most sugar content in a vegetable. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was sometimes used among Irish peoples, Hindus, and Jewish peoples to sweeten their puddings and foods, which, I mean, now I to try to make sugar out of this. Right? The leaves can be used in salads, and get this, apparently it's delicious to batter and fry the flowers themselves.
1: I'm down. We should try this. Absolutely.
0: Right? Next. We both grew up with this plant. We've never tried eating it.
1: (laughs) I really haven't. I've just always admired its beauty.
0: Yeah. The seeds, apparently, you can roast and flavor in soups. Um, And you can also use the flowers to dye things. It's like this really creamy sort of um, ecru off-white color. But, and this is- Wait, what was that color you just said? Ecru, e c r u. Ecrew, ecro. I've always <laughs> wondered how to say that. I was just. I'm a you designer. Said I should know how to say it. I've always A-cru? wondered how to say
1: it. that's what I thought it was, and I wasn't sure. So I was just, I was, I just wanted to hear it said so I would know. Well, I've never heard yeah, it. Yeah, every time
0: I see it, I think of emus. I don't know why. I guess it's similar letters.
1: I just said like euchre was how I would have pronounced it without any guidance. Mm. Sorry, that was.
0: But here is the very important thing: when we go out to forage, and we're going to eat these. Please, and maybe you already know this from our Poison episode. There is a very dangerous (laughs) lookalike, the Poison Hemlock.
1: It can kill you.
0: It can kill, it's the, I think, didn't we say that the most accidental deaths are from Hemlock?
1: Yeah, that would make, absolutely, I'm pretty sure that's true. I I can't remember if that's, I think
0: that's true. I think that's true. So here is how you tell the difference. And it is easily identifiable as long as you know your stuff. Queen Anne's Lace has a fine hair. On its leaves and stems. If there's no hair, don't eat it. If you're going for the roots, Queen Anne's Lace roots always t- smell like carrots. If it doesn't smell like carrots, don't, don't eat, eat it. it. <laughs> Hemlock has dark spots. They have some purple along the um, stems. If there is no purple, it's Queen Anne's Lace. If it has all those things, it's safe to eat.
1: See, plenty plenty of identifying factors just make sure you know that you take heed before you consume
0: don't just be like wow this looks edible and pluck a flower and eat it ever any (laughs) kind
1: god how frustrating would that be You like think you're doing so good trying to be like so responsible eating some healthy shit and you just die die. did i send you
0: that article about how people were getting really really sick and hospitalized in in Uh, the Appalachian Mountains because they were searching for ramps and their um, like plant identifier app would say it's a ramp, even though it was um, a hyacinth. And so people were getting, they were poisoning themselves because they didn't know how to identify ramps.
1: Ramps are pretty easy to identify, but I could see the confusion there.
0: Yeah. I think people just didn't know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. They were like, well, the app says it's this. So
1: (laughs) yeah, you know, apps are a great thing, but I don't know that you should use them exclusively in your plant in your journey towards foraging knowledge, you know?
0: Nothing beats research. (laughs) All right. So, super fun fact. I never knew this. I'm very excited, and I also want to try it. We're going to have a total Queen Anne's summer next year. You know how carnations, when you put them in water, they, like, can soak up the color of whatever dye Mm -hmm. the water is in? Queen Anne's lace can do the same. Nuh-uh. Yeah, right? How do I not
1: know these
0: things? I never knew this. I'm so excited to try it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's stupid fun. All about that.
0: Yeah. It is also a fantastic companion plant in gardens. It has been proven to boost tomato production. It draws wasps and butterflies for pollination. We love... what? I
1: said, we love some companion planting.
0: We love some companion planting. It also provides a tiny microclimate of cooler moisture for lettuce. So it's really good to play it with tomatoes and lettuce. and nice. And anything, really, because it brings the pollinators. Um, but it is considered a noxious weed in some places, mostly the Midwest, like Iowa, Michigan, and also Washington, because when cows eat it, it taints the milk and makes it taste like carrots. So...
1: Well, you know, we should probably just kind of stop drinking milk anyway. So I'm not too mad (laughs) about that.
0: Let the cows eat their flowers.
1: Sorry, dairy industry. Not (laughs) that into you.
0: Don't come for us. Actually, sponsor us.
1: We love the dairy industry for cheese, just not milk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that is it. That's Queen Anne's lace. That's our beauty.
1: Awesome. You know, it has always been one of my favorite plants. Like I said, just some history Mm -hmm. behind it. But. This next one is another one that has been ascribed some beauty. Um, and that is the morning glory.
0: Oh, love morning glory. So, this have is, you seen the ones that open up at night? Oh, mm-hmm. they're so pretty.
1: So, there's a big difference between a morning glory and what we would consider the weed that people have been calling morning glory for years. And we're going to talk about that.
0: Oh, hmm.
1: but the morning glory I'm talking about today is also known as bindweed.
0: Oh.
1: And it is, I'm going to try this one. This is a very difficult, this is one of the difficult names for me to say in Latin, so just bear with me. I believe in you. It's convolvulus, convolvulus, convolvulus. (laughs) I don't, it's like.
0: I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I don't know how to say it. I just can't, I can't. Uh, like the second word it's just is just you
0: can count the you can count the times on your hands that you said vulva probably.
1: I mean that's also very true. <laughs> Come, I don't know. There's too many V's and L's and U's all backed up against each other. It doesn't work in
0: my brain. Blah <laughs> blah
1: But anyways, the second words are and that one's easy. And I'm gonna stop trying now. That's what you all get. Sorry, can't do it. Um. Anyways. So the morning glory is a summer annual broadleaf vine, and it reproduces by seeds and is very frequently called tall morning glory. Um, And while it is used as an ornamental plant, uh, it just has to be managed properly because it can become a vicious vine and can damage other plants if it starts to grow among them. Mm. So you kind of just have to keep it groomed to wherever you want it to be. And not let it spread too much or it can take places over.
0: Gotcha. I always planted it in a pot so that it wouldn't. And then like kept it separate so it wouldn't root itself.
1: Right. Which is ideal. That's what you really want to do is you want to keep it enclosed. Um, and also morning glory when consumed in very high quantities can be harmful to humans and livestock as well. But you have to eat quite a bit of it. Hmm. So field bindweed Most likely arrived in the U.S. as a contaminant in farming garden seeds. And then obviously there were some that were introduced intentionally and planted ornamentally as ground cover or in hanging baskets because it is actually very pretty in a hanging basket. Mm. So it was first noted in Virginia in 1739 and was found all along the eastern seaboard from Virginia to Maine by the early 1800s. So... The western migration of the field bindweed was probably because of railroads, and so that's just like how it's that—that's like the bit of why it spread across the nation instead of just staying on the east coast.
0: Like it would cling to the railroads, or people like brought it intentionally.
1: Oh no, just because they it would be planted because there's more migration because of railroads.
0: Gotcha. Heard, heard, heard. Um, yeah,
1: but. While it does have its noxious qualities, Morning Glory also has a number of pharmacological properties. It can act as a diuretic, Hmm. a blood purifier, a laxative, and has also been said to have some anti-inflammatory actions. And it's also used to treat abdominal diseases, fever, headache, and and bronchitis. Hmm. It's like quite a bit of stuff going on there. Oh, and just a little bit of history. I couldn't, honestly, which I thought was a little bit odd because it is such a pretty plant, I couldn't find a whole lot of folklore ascribed to it. Mm. But, you know, I figured I would settle for some history about it instead since I couldn't find any good folklore. So so there was a bindweed plague in the Great Plains in 1877 that was attributed to Ukrainian settlers who had inadvertently brought... The seed of bindweed in their wheat during the Uh. early 1870s. Wow, that one went way better. That was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Field bindweed reputedly established in the Pacific Northwest when an Oregon settler used it as a cover crop in his orchard. And then was evidently present in California as early as 1838. And so by the end of the first quarter of the twentieth century, filled bindweed was considered one of the worst weeds in several states and a serious pest in several others, mostly west of the Mississippi. So that was kind of cool. Hmm. I don't know. I thought that like there's just bindweed is apparently such a problem in the West that there is it's very hard to find any fun information about it? It was all just like <laughs> it's it like, like socks. Like this is how you get rid of this pestilence. Like this is how you poison <laughs> your ground to get rid of it. So I didn't want to include <laughs> any of that. Earth. So it was like very hard for me to find anything fun to talk about <laughs> with bindweed. Oh, but they are really pretty flowers. Just make sure you keep them under control. Apparently, yeah, but yeah. That's bindweed.
0: That's how I feel about ivy. I'm like, I don't know if I could say anything nice about ivy. <laughs> it's green. <laughs>
1: Right, I see I literally see it in like my friends <laughs> houses like in a pot and I'm like I want to burn Why? It. I want to burn yeah. it. I want to burn it out of here. Can I burn it please? Although if
0: you're listening to this and you have potted ivy in your house, I know a lot of people who love the mess house plants. I'm not trying to judge you at all. I just like I have fought too much of it in my yard.
1: <laughs> yeah, living in the southeast anywhere. Oh honestly, just anywhere in the US at all. <laughs> ivy was used very commonly as a decorative future ground cover and it is we mean we've talked about it in the past it's so so very difficult to get the fuck rid of
0: yeah i wonder if that's how like floridians feel about pothos because when i post that thing about pothos they were like yeah out here it's like an invasive plant
1: probably because it can actually grow to adulthood out there
0: yeah and it's everywhere take over trees and kill trees Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) who knows anyways thank you for that amazing I want to grow. I want I've always wanted a night garden and I want the border to be night blooming morning glories (laughs) like on trellises. Oh,
1: yes. Why not? They're so pretty.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's do more because we just, you know, crammed a lot of information into your brain real fast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. we were quick on that
0: one. I don't know what happened last week. Maybe we were talking slowly last week.
1: (laughs) There's also the introduction bit too, where you like oh, talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. weed. We got to
0: talk about what is a weed.
1: What is what is a weed?
0: <laughs> is a weed by any other name. Smell
1: <laughs> <as>? <laughs> I <laughs> <Just quit>. <laughs> whoa whoa. <laughs> uh, I've All been
0: right. reading too much this week. Well, my next one is an also is an also really cool pollinator.
1: Is <laughs> yes, an also. Also, as I in. think
0: like something happened in my brain and like a lot of these plants are the same shape. I guess I just love that shape, like yarrow, joe weed, queen anne's lace. And then now I'm going to talk about milkweed.
1: It is a very attractive shape. I'm not going to lie.
0: I like little clusters of flowers. What can I also, say? Also,
1: I feel like it's <laughs> very odd that I feel like everything we've done, like my next plant also will, is, has milk in the name. Huh. We've like had very similar <laughs> paths. This go around. It's almost
0: like I wrote down every weed that sounded interesting to me in the golden guide to weeds.
1: (laughs) Don't tell all of our secrets, Frankie.
0: (laughs) This is our method. I just like obsess (laughs) about something in a book and then we do an episode on
1: it. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great.
0: So, milkweed. Very beautiful. There is a lot of different kinds. It is Asclepias, which is one of my favorite words, Asclepius. Asclepias the Asclepius genus of over and about 150 herbaceous perennial flowering plants called milkweeds. And they are named milkweeds after their latex production. Mm, cool. They are... <clears throat> woo, do you ever have that where your voice goes really funny because it's like all cloggy? Is that a word? Yes.
1: I have that all the time. I hate it.
0: <laughs> they are in the Dogbane family, Oh gosh, apocynaceae. Apocynaceae. Yeah, that sounds right. Sounds great. Sounds right. There we go. Carl Linnaeus, who we've talked about before, he's mm-hmm. pretty prolific in the plant world. Uh, named Asclepius after the Greek god of healing by the same name.
1: Cool. I love Greek mythology.
0: I threw in this fun fact for you because I read orchid and I was like, oop! Fun fact for Daniel. The complexity of the flowers in milkweeds has been compared multiple times to the complexity of orchids because it is, they're just like, the flowers are wildly complex.
1: hmm I love that. I want—I feel like I need, I don't know much about milkweed and now I'll have to look more into it adjacent to my favorite plant.
0: I was going to write down Like everything about the flower and describe it in detail. But then I realized that that would not be fun to listen to. But basically, it's like this really cool, like reflexive, weird star shape. Like we'll post pictures about it. It's such a beautiful shape and color, especially butterfly milkweed. Um, It's like this orange and red. And it's one of my favorite flowers of all time. Sorry, I'm looking at a right now. Are you looking it up right now? <laughs> I, can, I saw the screen flash white. And I was like, oh, he's Googling.
1: Ooh, I love it. That's so pretty. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back.
0: <laughs> I loved this. I, I put this in my notes because I love this description. <laughs> Milkweeds are a food market for insects.
1: <laughs> a food market.
0: A food market. It's the farmer's market. It draws in over 450 different kinds of insects and pollinators milkweeds are common for the reason that they're one of the most important foods for monarchs i know that growing up in the midwest we had a lot of milkweeds just for this because there was this huge push to plant milkweeds because the monarch was declining because its you know food source was being was declining um, the reason that it is these food for monarchs is because it has this specific <laughs> cardiac glucoside compound that makes it toxic to most insects to eat like the actual plant. But animals and creatures like the monarch use it as its defense mechanism. So it eats it on purpose to be toxic to things like birds.
1: Cool. Okay. Okay.
0: Except I also found out, I never knew this, it doesn't actually make them toxic to birds. The birds just think they're toxic.
1: Well, okay, that makes sense too. I, I can, I can vibe with that.
0: Um, The reason it's a weed is because it has that whole seed prolificness that we talked about in last episode. The seed pods are they're, they're pods with these <laughs> flat seeds that have this silky plumage, kind of like a dandelion, so it takes it on the wind and spreads it everywhere. But... Even though it has this, there was a seed shortage, shortage, like I said earlier, and this thing called Project Milkweed came in and was like, listen, we got to replant the milkweed. But there was an issue with that because some of the quote-unquote wrong kind of milkweed was being planted, like the kind that the monarchs don't eat. Huh. Yeah. And it was also classified as a weed because it's one of those species that will colonize disturbed areas and totally take over. And just like, it doesn't only reproduce from seeds. It also reproduces vegetatively from roots. Like you were talking about, basically, you get all the roots, it will grow a new plant. Mm -hmm. But, you know, milkweeds are this really diverse group of native wildflowers, and they're not listed as noxious in any state. So it doesn't seem like they'll like completely take over. They're kind of worth it to have in your garden, especially for the pollinator's sake.
1: Love that. Monarchs are so beautiful, too. I would hate to see them go away.
0: Oh, my gosh. So beautiful. Did you ever do in school the, like, grow your own butterflies from a caterpillar thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, That was always one of my, like, that was, like, pretty early on, I feel like maybe first or second grade we did that
0: mhm yeah i was so upset about mine because i took really good care of my caterpillar and i like talked to it every day and i told it how much i loved it because that's the kind of human being i've always been and but then other classmates caterpillars were dying so rapidly that that they took my caterpillar and it wasn't my caterpillar anymore it was the class's caterpillar and i was like but but that was that's my caterpillar very upsetting you know, I was very upset as a child. Now I'm like, that makes total sense because bugs die. but
1: <laughs> Especially when held in captivity by children.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, I just gave my love to all the caterpillars then. It was fine.
1: <laughs> it was cute. You just you had more to love, you know? It was great.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, they were all my caterpillars then. <laughs> but I didn't want the bullies to have any because they weren't very nice to their caterpillars.
1: I mean, imagine that, a bully not being nice to another living thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Hug your caterpillars. That's it.
1: That's milkweed. That's, that's milkweed. Cool. Well. What's next? I want to talk about Ooh. or thistle.
0: Oh, I was going to say that sounds like a Game of Thrones character.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much is. Um, so milk thistle is an annual or biennial, depending on which one you're looking at. And... They tend to germinate after fall rains, and they produce a three-foot-wide rosette with spines on its leaf edges and stems.
0: Uh-huh. I have multiple of these in my mm-hmm. the garden.
1: Um, and the leaves have a distinct milky-white marbling splashed across them. Ooh. And so the plants eventually grow to be two to six feet tall with branching stems between April and October, each stem produces a large purple flower head with big spiny bracts around its base, which is kind of hard. Like when you see the picture, if you've lived in an area where it grows, you'll probably recognize it. It's kind of really pretty, but mm-hmm. if you've ever walked barefoot in the field, chances are you felt a thistle. Oof!
0: No thanks. So the,
1: the spiny, the spiny plants that. Like prick your feet and make you jump when you're walking barefoot. It's terrible.
0: I lied. I don't have these. I have a different kind of thistle. This is beautiful. I love the purple. Mm.
1: Um, so left unchecked, like I said, they produce purple or pink flowers and a bunch of seeds. And that is part of why they are now considered a class A noxious weed mm. in North America, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand with a few other places. Also, considering an obnoxious weeb, um, and they're originally from Europe and Asia, but they've obviously spread quite a bit.
0: Do you ever wonder what America looked like before, like European colonists brought in all of these random plants? Like, I think all the time about like back when there were chestnuts, and it was just like beautiful native plants.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll ever truly understand the scope of how many plants were likely lost.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: During the early parts of uh, our invasion of this area, you know, because it wasn't really studied at that point. It was more about settling than it was about studying anything. So
0: That's heartbreaking.
1: Probably a lot of stuff that we'll never know existed that was probably absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So Thistle, just like its rough exterior, kind of has a lot of meanings associated with it, And some of those include aggressiveness, pain, protection, and pride. So, and because thistle is defined as both a flower and a weed, the exact inference of the bloom can extend from less positive symbolism, such as poverty and weakness, Hmm. all the way to more positive symbology like might and brilliance, because it is really pretty, but also seemingly a little dangerous because it is not fun to to fuck with yeah no Um,
0: do not want to step on
1: (laughs) and then as far as the uses go native americans used thistle for neuralgia overeating and they used an herbal steam for rheumatism and to shrink hemorrhoids hopefully that was the steam also and not with the thistles because that would be very uncomfortable i don't know why i said that Mm -hmm. um
0: Another symbol of thistle. I don't know if you've moved on, but um, it's the national flower of Scotland. And it's like a huge saying of like, you know, it's like perfectly encapsulated because I guess, oh, apparently it's the base of Scotland's ancient order of chivalry known as the order of the thistle.
1: I saw some of that and I didn't go deep into that because it seemed like it was going to be. A lot, a lot.
0: A lot. A lot, a lot. My guess is that it's probably like knowing what I know about the Scottish Highlanders, it was probably like a resilience thing of like, don't step on us. We're sharp.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Tough on the yeah. outside. Resilient. All the stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um. Yeah, that's about it. I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> How do I finish that one out?
0: I love thistles. Did I ever tell you that if I got... Like I, I think about dog names and cat names all the time, as everyone well knows, because I talk about it all the time. Right. But I thought thistle would be a really cute name for a dog.
1: Yeah, I think so. I love that actually.
0: It might be hard to like say, or you can't really say it in anger. You can't be like thistle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, my, my thing is like, what would you say is like a nickname? Because my dog has like fifty nicknames. You know,
0: like thissy, thissy. I don't know, something is like that. This-y? Th- thissy. Thissy. <laughs>
1: I hate that. (laughs) I hate that
0: too. I didn't think before I said that one.
1: (laughs) Definitely cut that out. (laughs) I'll just call you stole. (laughs) Good Lord. Um, Yeah, but thistle is a cool plant though. Love it. It's very pretty. Just don't step on it. Definitely.
0: And I also really love finches. And finches eat thistle.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cute. All right. I think that that is like... I think that's it. About it. I think, that, I think that's lead. it, guys. That's, a, that's all the weeds. Guess
0: what I have for you? I have something that I completely forgot about last week. I have a fun fact.
1: Fun fact. We haven't had one of these in a while, it feels like.
0: Fun fact. So, Watermelon is a member of the cu- <laughs> you can't say it. Cucurbitaceae. I assume like a cucumber, cucurbitaceae, the family of gourds. It's the family of gourds. And since it is grown as a vegetable crop and it uses vegetable production systems, it is a vegetable. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. You know how they always say the the saying like, "Well, I wouldn't use tomato in a fruit salad, even though it's a vegetable." That's wisdom. Okay, well, what are you going to do about watermelons? Because I would use watermelon in a fruit salad, and it
1: is a vegetable. So, and
0: it is a vegetable. So, (laughs) what you going to do? Watermelon feta and mint salads. Side note: one of my favorite summertime treats.
1: Watermelon feta and arugula. What'd you say? What did I say? I what don't did know. I, say? I don't know what you said. I, all I heard was watermelon. Oh, no, feta. Now I
0: forgot what I said. Watermelon feta and mint.
1: And mint. With a little oh. drizzle
0: of olive oil and a pinch of salt. Mm.
1: Love. Delicious. That sounds so good.
0: Or you can do something sweet, like a little balsamic. Mm.
1: Anything with balsamic in it, I'm down for. Yeah. Always.
0: Definitely. Well, I think, I think, think that's it.
1: Successfully brings us to the end of the episode. If find you us on would, the internet. Yeah. If you want to find us on the internet, it's really easy to do. All you got to do is go to propagatedpodcast.com. If you forget how to spell propagated, as myself, Frankie, and many other people I know have been (laughs) guilty of, just look at the name of wherever you're listening to this and copy it. Copy, paste. (laughs) Copy, paste. It's not that hard. Um, But yeah, go to propagatedpodcast.com. That's going to give you an opportunity to link over to any of our social medias that we are on, including Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you decide that you would like to support us in any way, you can do that by leaving a review on whatever you're listening to right now. We love a good review.
0: Mhm, makes us very excited.
1: If you are willing and able to go a step further than that, then we have a coffee account, which or fi I'm not really sure how to say it, but it's will Kofi com. <laughs> if you if you're looking for it, and that on that site you can leave us a one time donation of whatever amount you feel inclined to give. Um, all those go back right back into the podcast if you are a regular listener and would like to donate in a more steady and reliable way head on over to our patreon and that's going to give you an opportunity to get some extra perks and some extra content for a monthly commitment i feel like i sounded really weird saying that
0: <laughs> you sounded very professional i <laughs> really
1: hate asking people for money and this is my awkward daniel voice so i love you guys
0: yeah we're not great at it i love you guys but we love having you and we love our plant saddies because we have a lot of fun over there and we have some really great mini episodes that are in the folder ready to be edited and ready to be sent out to all of our beautiful plant (laughs) saddies our plant saddies are the best we love having them also and shout out to our friend of the pod dana who gave you birthday drinks Thank you so many.
1: I had a lot of birthday drinks. So it's much, <laughs> I too. much appreciated. You definitely saved my ass a little bit, probably. At the Sorry, end of the
0: day. Daniel. I stole one of those for myself. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's fine.
0: This is what we get for having close birthdays. <laughs>
1: <laughs> birthdays in the same month means hard to make content and a lot of money spent. So.
0: Yeah, October was a trip. Anyways, thanks y'all for joining us. That brings us to the end. We love you. Goodbye. Bye,
1: bye, 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 bye.